All right, man. How's everybody doing today? Really? Okay, now seriously, how's everybody doing today? For real. Like, come on. That is awesome. My name's Jeff. I have the unique privilege of serving uh, on staff here. I'm one of the pastors on staff at New Life Church. Uh, you are literally in one of three of our venues right now. You're at our Carney campus. I want to say a big hello to everybody worshiping with us live at our North Platte campus right now as well. Can we just show our North Platte campus some love right now? Come on. Come on. Today we're talking about how we are better together, and that's definitely one of the ways we're better together. If you were here last week, Pastor Nate actually kicked off this current teaching series, Better Together. Who was here last week to hear Pastor Nate kick that off? Man, uh, yeah, man, all right. See, you just need to know, if you're a guest with us today, this is an interactive environment, okay? So it's good to be excited. This is a church where we're going to laugh at some time today as well. And we may even cry, all right? Uh, We're just a church that we're all in. We're all in. So uh, I think Pastor Nate is the right guy in the right position at the right time right now to champion all of our life group ministries. If you didn't get a chance to see his sermon last week, please go to My New Life church.com where you can click on uh, watch now and you can literally watch last week's sermon on your iPhone um, or your tablet or at your laptop. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You, you can watch it on any one of those environments and it streams well. It's awesome. I would encourage you to do that because we're only really talking about this core value better together for two weeks. This is it right now. All right, so if you're a guest with us, man, we normally teach in a, in a teaching series that will last anywhere from four to six, maybe at times eight weeks long. We're just talking about a core value. Core values to me matter. My job as the lead pastor is to protect the core values of our church. That's one of my jobs. One of my jobs is to make sure that we know why we meet together and we know then what ministries we we allow to work at New Life Church because they have to be fulfilling one of our core values. We've got six core values. If you want to find more about our core values, I would highly encourage you to sign up for an Engage course. Engage, all right? The next time you see in your bulletin, Engage or you see it on our website, sign up for it. We want everybody in our church to go through it because we want you to know our culture. Our core values create our culture. Maybe another way to say it is they create our DNA, right? And we want to take our culture and we want to reproduce it everywhere. So North Platte is reproducing the culture of new life and we want to go plant more churches. That's why we're one church in multiple locations all at the same time utilizing some extremely high-tech um, you know, uh, technology just so that we can, we can make this happen. And, and so one of our key core values that we believe, that we live, that we are willing to die for is a core value called we're better together. Now, we get this from a number of places in Scripture, so let me just take you to one of those places. In Hebrews, it says this, let us think of ways to what? Come on, say the word with me motivate one another to acts of love and to good works man have you have you ever tried to motivate somebody that didn't want to do what you wanted them to do isn't it a lot of fun to try to motivate them when they're they're like a a stick in the mud you ever heard that statement before right there's like a dead log they're like dead weight trying to get pulled around Um, some of the times we revert to an old behavior that is not what we're trying to achieve with this attitude of better together 
Um, many of the times when we're trying to motivate, we always think of how we were motivated to do things when we were kids. Like, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Mom and dad want to motivate me to do it. So they, they put like this, <laughs> they, they put this, like, this word out there that motivates me to get it done. If you don't do that, little Jeff Baker, you're going to get spanked. That's a motivation, all right? I, when, when you're six years old and you're, you're thinking about, you know, dad taking you back to the bedroom and you get the nice, gentle talk from dad and then you get the words from dad that say, you know I don't want to do this, son. Um, I'm doing this because I I love you. And you're six years old and you're like, if you love me, you give me ice cream, man. Right? Like, you just don't understand it. You don't understand it. But that was a motivation. And then when we got older, the motivation maybe was, now, in my day, there was no cell phone, but maybe it might be I'm taking the cell phone away, right? Or it might be I'm going to take the car away. Like, you don't get to drive the car. Or one of the ones that was a motivator for me was I met Kim, my wife, uh, when I was 15 years old. And so when my parents would say, listen, you're not going to be hanging out with Kim this weekend, that was a motivator to get things done. Now, those motivations are all punishment related to motivate one another to love and to good works to literally become more like jesus and to live a biblical lifestyle we're not going to function with an attitude of figuring out how to discipline one another into that mindset we want to motivate from a more uplifting encouraging one a celebrating of what we see done right this is not something that in our human nature that we, we naturally gravitate to. We naturally gravitate to seeing what is wrong versus celebrating what is right. So I need your help at New Life Church to make this church a culture where better together is important for all. And that means that I need each of you to speak life into each other, to literally pull life out of each other by recognizing when you see godliness and when you see people living out Jesus. We're better together, as an example, when we meet together between North Platte and Kearney. We've got a date coming up at the end of September. It might be in your bulletin. It's going to come up if it's not there right now. But we have a new life united that's going to take place at our Kearney campus. Both campuses are going to come together, a big night of worship, a night of prayer, a night of celebration and fun. It's going to be fantastic. That's one of the ways we practice being better together. We're better together at New Life Church when the spiritually mature connect with and disciple the new believer. If you're a new believer here, one of the best things that you could have in your life to make you better is to connect with people that are farther along in their spiritual journey. We believe it, we promote it, and we want to figure out how to make those connections happen. That's one of the ways we're better together. But we're also better together when we come together and we worship together on a Sunday. So congratulations. High five yourself for making, a, making yourself better. You guys seriously did that with me. That's awesome. You guys are amazing. Amazing, yeah. You just high-fived yourself. You realize that, right? Okay. Um, but by coming together and worshiping together on a Sunday, we, we're being better together. We're better together when our racial lines blur together as well. And we just become one, by the way. We're way better together when we lay down the color of skin and the nationalities that we come from and we recognize one another as being created in the image and the likeness of God and we value the diversity that we have with each other. That's something we want at New Life Church. We want it more and more and more. We want a diverse church that represents our community, giving life to all. Amen? 
Right? <laughs> I love that. Um, we're also better together when we are in community with other believers through life groups, guys. In fact, that's one of the best ways to be better together in a church is to be in a life group. But we're also better together when we make room for new people to join into those groups or to join into our church. Did you guys realize that over the past four years of New Life's existence, we've literally doubled in size? Doubled in size. Like last Sunday, there was more than 1,200 people that worshiped with us. Now, look, that, that's exciting to me. All that means is this. Every, every number represents a person. Every person has a story. And people and stories, they matter to God. So why do I celebrate numbers? Because they represent people and people matter to God. That's why we do that kind of stuff. But last week, there was 40-plus first-time guests at our church as well. So if you're one of those 40-plus people and you're back again this week, thank you so much for coming to New Life. I value that and I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Last week, I had, uh, I had, I don't know, a few emails that came to my box that were from guests from, the, from last week. Let me just tell you a couple of the common themes in these emails. Number one, thank you so much for being a church that was so inviting and welcoming to me. Like, I was blown away by how people greeted me and they welcomed me. And you know what? I want that to continue to be a part of our better together culture. But the other thing that they all said was this, we felt God's presence. That's something we can't lose at our church. We, I literally, I won't tell you the name, but I had one person say to me, last week was my first week, and when you gave that call, Jeff, of people coming to the front to pray... Because I say, the altars of our venues are for the hungry, right? A lot of places, you think like people that come to the altar are screwed up. They're for the broken. Our altars are for the hungry. That might mean that we're broken and hungry in need of God. That might be the case. It could just be that we're coming seeking God because we just want more of him in our life. So the altars are for the hungry. And last week I gave a call and I said, look, let's all come. This was in our our West venue at our Kearney campus. Um, I said, let's come and let's pray. And people came. I got an email from a guest that said, are you going to do that again this week? Because I wanted to come, but that was my first week. And I just couldn't get myself out of the seat to make my way down there. But I so desperately need more and want more of God in my life. And I just want to say to you, I don't know who you are. But you said you'd be here today. I just want to tell you right now, from me to you, I am so proud of your heart and your hunger after God. And may God grant you the depth of his presence as you seek him today. May that that be the case for you today. Because if we're going going to live out the core value of better together, then I need you to help me make, make it happen. We need to make room for more new people. We have to make room for more new people in, in your conversations. Instead of just going up to the same people you always talk to every Sunday, find some new people. Go up and talk to them. You know, go up and meet them. Say, hey, my name is Jeff. I've never met you before. Man, how long have you been around New Life? And then when they say to you, I've been here for two years, then you just go, wow, well, forgive me for not meeting you. Right? I always say to them, well, yeah, I'm so glad you have a chance to meet me. <laughs> so... I don't know how that comes across, but I just say it. It's, it's all in fun. It's all in fun. But yeah, go up to people. Meet new people. We, we, we need help with that. That's how, we, that's how we're better together. I need you to go beyond that, though. I need you to literally make room in your life for new relationships and new friendships with new people that come to our church. 
I, I need you, if you're a ministry leader, you're a director, you're a team leader, I need you to make room in your team for more new people to participate in ministry. And if you're a life group leader, I need you to, I need you to go after people that you've never seen before, you've never met before, and make room in your life group for more new people to be a part. That's how we're going to be better together. We will remain better together when we continue to make room for others to join us. But listen to me. It's critical that we have the right attitude of better together. Better together says these words. I'm better. I'm better because of you. Now, I I literally feel that way. I feel like I as a person and as a pastor and better because of what you invest into me. Because of who you are as a congregation, that I'm better. But this is not what we should say at New Life Church. This is not the value. You're better because you're with me. (laughs) Big difference there. Now, we will be better together, but where should the emphasis of my of of my statement be you're better because of me or i'm better because of you that little switch that little difference in your heart will make all the difference when we come and we say i'm better because of you then we become the best version of ourselves. therefore we instantaneously help others become better So nobody in New Life Church would ever stand up on this pulpit and ever say, you're better because of me. We wouldn't say that. It would sound prideful, right? But it lives inside of here. And if any of that is inside of you, like people around me are better because they are with me, you need to lay that down. Give that to God. That's keeping you from literally being better together. A better together culture, though, is going to be protected when we humble ourselves to value the input and the experience of others that are around us. That's why it's so important to say, I'm better because of you. I'm better because of the diversity in my life. I'm better because there are people that are smarter, wiser. They've gone down the road farther than me. I'm better because there are people that are younger than me that have experiences I don't have, and they're able to speak to me. I'm better because when we get together, people see God's word from different angles, and it helps me understand the very character and the nature of God. But when we work together, church, then we begin to see the very best version of ourselves. You might be wondering, like, why are you wearing that shirt today? Like, that's a different kind of a shirt to wear. Like, what are you doing? Did you join the National Guard and they gave this to you because you joined? No, that's not the case. This is a NASCAR pit crew shirt. Any NASCAR fans here? It's okay. You can be proud. You can be proud. It's all right. It's all right. They're probably all out in North Platte right now. It's all right. But I think a pit crew, the reason why I wanted to wear this shirt is because I want to make a few statements over the next few minutes that I want to sit inside of your heart and your mind and be visually um, in your radar for the rest of the service. Because a pit crew of a NASCAR race team is very much like a life group helping the whole team to become better together. Like the pit crew isn't the, isn't the one in the driver's seat of the car that crosses the finish line that rolls into, you know, the celebration center that has the big party because they, they were the car that won the race. Right, The driver gets to do that with the car. The pit crew gets to show up later. A lot of the glory goes to the driver, but without the pit crew, they would be nobody. 
A pit crew of a NASCAR team is made up of a number of people. They've got two, two people, two men or women that are focused on the front tires, two men or women focused on the back tires. You've got, you got somebody that get, has the jack. You've got another person that's got the gas can, right? You've got two other individuals, one that can't cross over the wall that's just there to support. Roll the tire to me. I'll pick it up. I'll throw it over. You've got another guy who gets a chance to come across the wall. He might clean off the front of the car or, you know, pull off the... Um, the film that gives the driver a new window. And then you've got some other people. You've got like the car chief. You've got the engineer who sets up the car. And you've also got the crew chief, the, the big daddy, right? The guy who's over it all. He oversees it all. And all of these people work together to make that car its greatest version of itself, that driver the greatest version of themselves, so that they would have the greatest possibility of winning. All of it's done together. Now, they don't just sit around and do nothing, and when the car pulls in, they go, Hey, Billy Bob, hey, what, what do you need done on the car now? The race is going on. Uh, what do you need? I don't know why I think NASCAR would talk that way, but forgive me. Just forgive me for a minute, all right? It's just my imagination at work, okay? And why is the driver's name Billy Bob? I don't know. That was kind of weird, wasn't it? I, excuse me if you're Billy Bob and you're listening. I did not, that was not to mean anything negative towards you. Um, so Billy Bob, the driver pulls up, right? They don't just like go, Hey, wh- what do you need? What do you need? Right? I mean, these pit crews, they jump in and they, they do things in like 12 to 16 seconds. They're just like, boom, they got four tires chains. They got, you know, windows washed. They vacuumed out the car. No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> they waxed it. They're fast, man. No, they, they change all of that in 12 to 16 seconds so that the car can get back out onto the race. It's, it's like mind-blowing. That pit crew is like a life group for you and me. We need that to stay in the race of life. We need those moments when it's different than a Sunday morning where you got instead of the 1,200, you got the 12, and you meet with them, and man, you do life with them, and you share stories with them, and you, you discuss biblical things with them, and you pray with each other, and it's kind of like the pit, and they get you back into the race, and out the door you go, man, and, and you thrive. It's awesome to watch it happen. I'm just telling you right now, without a pit crew, without a life group in your life, here's the deal. You can keep yourself in the race of life. All right, you can do it. But your chances of ever winning are seriously diminished. Think with me about a NASCAR driver. A NASCAR driver that doesn't have a pit crew. Right? He pulls into the pits, jumps out of his car, gets the jack, jacks up the car, Gets the, gets the hammer, the air hammer, and, you know, or the air drill, and he, he takes off the bolts, he replaces the tire, he does it on the other side, he runs around, you know, to the other one, and he jacks up the other side of the car, he does the same thing on the tire, then he gets the gas, he fills up the gas, then he rips the film off of the windshield, then he climbs back in, puts his helmet in, starts the car, and gets back out into the race. How competitive is that guy going to be? He's not. He can stay in the race. But he'll never be competitive in a way to win. Some of us are like that driver. Like you're in life, you're gonna keep the car on the track. You're gonna get some nicks and some bumps and some dings here and there, but you're gonna keep your car on the track. You're just not gonna ever win. It's gonna be a struggle, it's gonna be difficult, it's gonna be hard. I got news for you guys. God didn't put you on this earth just to survive. 
God put you on this earth to thrive. And the way that you thrive is through the power of the Holy Spirit in your, at work in your life and the work of others, the pit crew in your life. That's how you move from surviving to thriving. That's what God wants us to do for one another. And there's many ways that the Bible talks about how we can be a pit crew for each other and the kinds of things we need from each other. I'm just going to I'm going to give you the surface of this, okay? Because the Bible's chalked full of different things that we do for one another, like a pit crew changes the tire. God's got some instructions for us of how we keep each other in the race with the greatest opportunity to succeed, which means fulfill your purpose on this earth and make a massive impact for God's kingdom. So let's look at a few of those really quick. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 gives us the first one. It says, so encourage each other and build each other up. What do you think the action of the pit crew is in this verse? It's simple. This is not a trick question. Encourage. If you said encourage, then you were right. To encourage each other. To encourage one another. Guys, we, we live in a world where there's enough discouragement. There's enough going on to discourage us. There's job promotions that weren't met last week. Right? You just didn't get there. And it's so discouraging. You walked away, someone else got the, got the promotion. Right? We're at school and we're working hard on a subject matter. And you think you got it all done, man, so that you're going to get a, you know, a top grade. And then it comes in average. So discouraging at times when you feel like you've given your best. There's other things that just come out of the woodwork of life. Like you, you don't even know that they're happening. And then, bam, you get hit with some discouraging news. We got enough of that in the world. A better together culture in a church leaves each other better than what we found each other. That means we have to encourage each other. And you don't have to be a professor to do it. You don't have to have a license to do it. You don't have to be a pastor to do it. We as the church, a better together culture, we encourage each other. I just had a friend encourage me. I'm getting ready to start an accelerated course that's going to require a couple of weeks of my life, and I'm going to have to do it from morning to night, six days a week. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm 47 years old. I'm not sure old dogs can learn new tricks. And if you're 47, I apologize for throwing you under the bus. But it's a challenge to think about all that you're going to have to absorb, you're going to have to maintain, and you're going to have to learn when, when, some of it's going to be brand new to you, right? You understand what I'm talking about? So I had a friend who, who understands the course I'm getting ready to go through, and literally he looked me in the eye the other day and he said to me this, you're going to pass with no problem. I don't think that he understands how encouraging those few words were, you are going to pass with no problem. Those words have echoed through the chambers of my mind a few different times. I've reflected back on them at moments when, you know, you start to think like, are you doing the right thing? Are, are you really going to invest that amount of time and energy and effort? What happens if you don't pass? What happens, Jeff, you're going to shell out thousands of dollars to take this course. What happens if you, you don't, you come up short? What happens? And then all of a sudden you're going to pass with no problem. See, sometimes the words we say can be so simple, but yet they can be so profound because they're said with genuine love for somebody. And they're said to encourage each other. So guys, let me just say this to you. If you got people in your life that listen to your voice and your voice has influence in them, use it to encourage one another because we don't have enough of that in our world. And that's one of the things the church culture should have for, for one another in a better together environment. 
Is there anybody out there who would say amen? amen? All right, that's the truth right there. Let's go to another one. How we're a pit crew for each other. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. What are the pit crew action steps there? There's two of them. Confess and pray. Right. You guys are so good, man. The first service didn't even want to say the word confess. They were like, pray and confess. They're like, you guys said confess. I heard you. Like, nobody wants to confess to others. But when you're in a pit crew and you've done life together and you've, you, your life has gone around the track a few times and everybody kind of knows each other in a way, it's okay then to pull back the veil and go, let me confess what I'm really struggling with. Because when you confess what you're really dealing with, then you can pray with greater insight. Then God moves in powerful ways. You walk out a different person. The Bible literally says there are some things in our lives like flat tires that are always flat tires because you're not confessing them and you're not letting other brothers and sisters rally around you and pray for you. And we're not being better together. How are you going to win the race if you're running on two flat tires? You're not going to. It's going to be very frustrating, right? You're going to think you got it figured out and only discover, I still have that flat tire. It's going to keep holding you back. So be better together. Practice that. What's the best place to do that? Not here on Sunday morning on this platform in front of everybody. In a life group called a pit crew, that's a great place. Those people are going to love you, support you, rally behind you. It's going to be awesome. Here's another one, how we can be a pit crew for one another. It says in Galatians, brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. What's the pit crew action there? Restore. Absolutely. Guys, let me just say this to you. We are a church about restoring people. We recognize that every single one of us is a sinner. We're imperfect people on a journey to discover who Jesus is. And I'm the chief sinner. So don't worry, you're not the chief sinner. I'm the leader, I'll be the chief sinner. Now, I'm not doing it purposefully, don't get me wrong on that, okay? I'm not like, hey, follow me as I sin. No, I'm going to be more like Paul. Follow me as I follow Christ. But I'm just up here letting you know. We're a church full of imperfect people on a journey to discover what it means to be more like Jesus. That means we have to be willing to make room for people to be restored. So if someone stumbles around you and they fall into sin, what should your response be? To go gossip about them in your hell group? No. Because that's not what we have here. We have life groups. So to go restore them in your life group. Don't ever, ever let someone else come up to you and slam on some other brother or sister of this church or even in our community for the sin that's in their life. The best thing you and me can do is this. When you hear of somebody else that's fallen and stumbled in sin, the very first thing you should do is go, I'm a sinner too. I guarantee you, you will love them and respond more godly if you start there than if you go to your self-righteousness of thinking, how could they ever do that? I can't believe it. Just look at yourself first. You'll love better when you do that. That's how we're going to restore one another like an old woodworker would take an antique you know, that's found along the roadside and turn it back into its original form. Or somebody would take an old rusty car found in a farmyard someplace and turn it back into a car that looks so beautiful like it rolled off, you know, the showroom floor that day. That's what we should be doing for one another. Restore each other. Here's another one. Are you with me so far? 
Okay, here's Colossians 3. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he, being God, gives to you. What are the two action steps? Teach and counsel. And you know what that really means? Instruct. Instruct with whatever God's given you. So everybody that's at New Life Church has something to give away to others because you have a story. Your story is unique to you. You have experiences. They're unique to you. You can give them away. Let me just say this to you as well. When you're reading God's word or you're in prayer or you're in worship and you get like a little nugget of gold from God, don't keep it to yourself. Take it back to your life group. Share it with others. Be an encouragement. That's a word of wisdom that God gave you from his word. You take it back to your life group. You use it for teaching and instructing. Now, you don't have to be the teacher. You just give it and let the Holy Spirit continue to be the teacher in our lives. So that's one thing. Here, here's, let me just give you one last one. This one's going to be radically different than the other ones we shared, okay? So follow with me in 1 Thessalonians 4. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. This is coming in our future. We call it the blessed hope, the rapture of the church. Then, together with them, we who are still alive... Uh, and remain on the earth will be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord Jesus in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Verse 18, so encourage each other with these words. Why do you think that we have this incredible statement of Jesus coming and the church meeting Christ in the air to be with him forever, and then God puts in his word, so encourage each other with these words why why do you think that's probably in there because this is part of being a pit crew right we need to do that we need to remind each other often that this earth is not our home we need to remind each other often that the struggles and the trials of many kinds that you and me are going to go through that they, they only last for a season they're only here for a moment we're like a vapor we're here today we are gone tomorrow earth is not my home heaven is my home and i need you desperately to help me at times because my mind like your mind in the middle of the week can instantaneously go to humanistic thoughts and to humanistic reward it can easily go to that it can either go to earthly reward and humanistic thoughts my mind goes there your mind and heart goes there we need each other to keep reminding one another hey you're better together when you keep your eyes heaven bound when you keep your heart heaven bound earth is not your home keep your eyes on the real home it is with jesus christ forever i need that because there are times when i need my priorities adjusted and there are times when you need your priorities adjusted as well those are some things that we're designed to do with each other but listen to this if you really want to be the best pit crew member then you got to follow just a couple of quick instructions that are found in god's word let me just give you these two things don't be selfish don't try to impress others be humble thinking of others is better than yourself that just makes sense doesn't it like think of others better than you be humble you know being better together it it thrives in an atmosphere of humility it dies in an atmosphere of pride it dies when everything's about you it thrives when it's all about them So what are we supposed to do? Live as humble as possible, giving the best to others, thinking the best about others. That means if you are 65 or older here, you definitely have something to give, but I got good news for you. If someone's 24 in here, they got something to instruct you with. 
They got something. If you'll think of the 24-year-old as better than you, you'll gain the wisdom that they have that you still need. The 24-year-old. If you think that the 65-year-old is outdated and they don't have anything to invest into your life, then you got it all wrong. You think the best about them, you'll get all of their wisdom invested into your life. That's how the church keeps getting better and better and better, better together. Now there's one more thing I gotta tell you, and that's found in Romans 12, about how, how you, you be the best pit crew member for others. Love one another with brotherly affection. Look at what this word says. Outdo one another in showing honor. Paul literally gives us this encouragement. It's a competition, guys. Who can show the most honor today? It's a competition? Yeah. Just try. I dare you to try to outdo your spouse today in showing honor to them. Dare you. See, it's kind of a trick, isn't it? Like, you try to outdo them by showing honor to them, by showing them respect and esteem, esteeming them highly, then, then you always get the best back. It's amazing how that happens. Paul literally sets up a competition in the church, and he says, outdo each other in showing honor to one another. That's where we're supposed to live today. Let's figure out how to do that with all of our heart. But listen, in a few moments, our worship team is going to come. We're going to practice being better together by participating in worship with one another. That's going to be awesome. Right after that, our campus pastors and our, and our venue hosts, they're going to come and they're going to give you some instructions on how to bring your needs before the Lord. I'm going to encourage you right now. This moment is going to be a moment at the end of our worship service where you get to bring your needs down to the altar. Remember, who comes to the altar? The hungry. The hungry come to the altar. What are you in need of? Healing? Financial issues? Relationship issues? Emotional issues? You just want to, you want to pray for another family member? You got something difficult at work? Let's practice being better together. Come and then stand at the front and our worship and then our, excuse me, our life group leaders will be invited to come and they're just going to pray with you. And we're literally going to practice what we're preaching today. We're going to practice being better together. We're not just going to talk about it. We're going to get a chance to do it and everybody gets a chance to participate in it. So just be in prayer and think with me while we spend this time in worship together. God, is there something that you want, you want me just to come and say, Lord, I, I need your prayer. And let's watch God move in a powerful way at New Life Church today. Why don't you stand with me? Lord, here we are. We recognize our desperate state. We recognize our need of you. Um, Lord, we recognize that without your spirit, we're nothing. But we also recognize you gave us each other. And we're so thankful for those that stand in these venues with us right now. I'm so thankful for New Life Church that's one church in multiple locations. I'm so thankful for a congregation of people that this might be the very first time hearing about what it means to be better together, but they want to fight for it. They may have been around this church for decades, but they go, you know what, I really do want a church that's better together. Lord, just think about what we can do for your kingdom when we're better together. Think about what we can do Lord, and making an impact when we're united together, putting each other first, trying to outdo one another with honor. So Lord, we ask that you would show up in this church and move in a powerful, mighty way, and that the name of Jesus would be lifted up and you would draw people to yourself, and that Lord, you would move in ways that just blow our mind away as we come to you in these next few minutes. 
We humble our life before you, and we let you have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.